I'll invite you to turn in a copy of God's Word to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. We'll be looking at three different texts this morning, but we'll be starting there. If you're visiting with us this morning, we're very grateful that you're with us this morning. Uh, you'll find us that we're in a, uh, a two-week mini-series. I guess you can call it two-week mini-series. Um, talking about elders and deacons. So we have officer nominations starting today. And so you found us uh, talking about some things we're, we are dealing with in the church. Uh, but we're very grateful you're here. We will return next week to our normal pattern of preaching through uh, books of the Bible. Uh, we'll be looking at the book of Joshua. Uh, just a fantastic Bible. We see glimpses of Jesus throughout. And so we'll be, Lord willing, beginning that next week. We are what's called a Presbyterian church, as we briefly discussed last week. Presbyterian is, uh, is a tough word, and it, it's from the Greek word presbyteros, which means elder. Uh, and so we are a church that is led and governed by elders, as Christ has mandated in Scripture. We didn't just make that up. It comes from uh, Old and New Testaments, but particularly the New Testament, First, Corinth, or First uh, Timothy chapter 3, Titus chapter 1, and several other places. Uh, but we also have deacons as well. There are two offices that Christ has ordained, the office of elder and deacon for his church. Uh, we didn't come up with the church. Man didn't invent the church. Uh, Jesus did. And so uh, we come together uh, as God's people to worship him as he has called us to, and he has also organized how churches are meant to be led and governed. Uh, the, uh, those who are nominated, as we discussed earlier, will be going through a, a men in training class, an officer training class, as we talk about this, these issues and others in greater detail. Before we read our text, I want to clarify a couple things about the office of, of deacon and elder. They are different callings. Uh, some men are called to office, the office of deacon or elder at various points in their lives. My father began as a deacon and ended up as an elder. Uh, I know of other folks who have served as elders and ended up as deacons. Uh, but the role of a, a deacon, the office of deacon, is not necessarily a stepping stone to that of elder. It's not how you cut your teeth and then move up later to become an elder, although that's sometimes how it happens. Uh, it is its own worthy office by itself. It is a very high and noble calling that the Lord calls some men to, to serve him in an ordained and special way. They do have different callings, and we'll explore the calling of deacon this morning and how it is different from that of elder. Well, let's read our first text from Mark chapter 10, verses 42 through 45. Mark 10, 42 through 45. Hear now the word of the Lord. And Jesus called them to himself and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers, the Gentiles, lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God shall indeed stand forever. Let's pray. Father, even as we have just heard, we pray that you would make our hearts like that fourth soil. Only you, O Christ, only you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, can, can work in our hearts and prepare us to receive the implanted word. So, Father, we pray that you would be with us. 
Give us eyes to see and ears to hear and give the preacher anointing. In the name of Jesus, we ask it. Amen. Well, anytime that we talk about what it means to be a servant, we must first talk about Jesus. For that's what deacon means. The Greek word is diakonos, and we use that word, something very close to it. The uh, group of deacons that meet, active deacons, are called the diaconate. It's called the diaconate, just like the elders are called the session, the, the deacons are called the diaconate. A deacon is one who is called to serve, to serve the Lord and to serve God's people. And we first start with Jesus, where we find that he sets an amazing um, picture of what it truly means to be a servant, to serve the Lord and to serve his people. You think about it, when Jesus came to minister and to usher in the kingdom of God, to inaugurate the kingdom of God, how did he do it? Was it with a sword? No. Was it like the Gentiles might do if they were to lead? The pagans, as this text says, uh, might lead their people by uh, announcing it with great grandeur and forcing it amongst people and looking for glory for themselves? No. Christ came preaching the word and and doing deeds of mercy and great um, uh, generosity, uh, with great blessing for those with whom he was to be found. Oftentimes the least of these, the tax collectors and the Pharisees, Jesus was the great servant, the greatest servant, even though he was and is fully man and fully God. I mean, just think about little snapshots of his ministry. As he came not to be served, but to serve, feeding the 5,000. And giving those who are blind their sight again, like Bartimaeus. In this very text, Mark chapter 10 earlier speaks, or possibly later, later, immediately after this passage. Blind Bartimaeus, have mercy on me, son of David. Have mercy on me. And he says, your faith has made you whole. He came to to give those who had not the ability to walk, the ability to run, and those who were deaf, the ability to hear, and ultimately to bring to life those who are dead, not just physically, like the three recorded times we have in the Gospels, but also us spiritually. He came as the Son of God, the Son of David, the Son of Man, not to be served, but in order to serve. And so this means that we as believers, deacon, elder, or otherwise, just, just normal folks, we are called to, to live a life like Christ as we lay down our lives for him and for each other. As we lay down our lives, as we sacrifice for the glory of God and the good of our fellow believers and those in the community. This is borne out in this text in Mark chapter 10, 42 through 45. We find the word deacon here throughout, though you may not realize it. Uh, verse 43, but it shall not be among you. Whoever would be great among you must first be your deacon, diakonos. And whoever should be first among you should be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be deaconed, to be served but to deacon, to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is an amazing thing, by the way. The the one person in all of creation who is perfect and without flaw or error, who deserved glory and honor and who could demand it to be worshiped here on earth, 
and not be wrong? He laid that aside and counted equality with a thing, not something to be grasped, according to Philippians 2, became obedient in the form of a servant, even death on a cross. That we might have life, he served whom? Whom did he serve? He didn't serve those who were good looking. All of y'all are good looking, I don't mean that now. You know, not those who have it all together, not those whose lives are perfect and buttoned up, but those people like me. I'm a mess. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. A wretch. We let that word just roll off our tongue without thinking about what we're saying about ourselves. And the wretches, these are the people that Christ came to lay down his life for. How would he ever lay down his life for someone, a worm, a wretch such as I? This is the love of Jesus. And so as we think about what it means to be an officer in his church as an elder or a deacon, it means to have that similar love, compassion, and sacrifice that Christ had for his people. Now we can never do this in and of ourselves, ever. Our flesh will fight us every step of the way. And that is why an elder or a deacon must be walking with the Lord daily. That is why we, as whoever, if you're an elder, deacon or not, that we must walk with the Lord daily as we seek to lay down our lives for our spouses and our children and our friends and our family, even our enemies. Even our enemies we are called to love. And what does it mean to love someone if it does not mean to serve them? Christ came not to be served, to be deacon, but to serve, to deacon, and to lay down his life, to give his life as a ransom for many. So we see as we glean a couple things this passage that, that the example of what he sets before us of how deacons are meant to serve the body is one of sacrifice. While the, the, the Gentiles, the pagans here outside the church in this text, as they may seek to lord their authority and their title over others and seek them to serve, others to serve them as, as a part of their office, so for the deacon, for the elder, for, for us as Christians, true service can have nothing of gloating or boasting or self-worth. It all must be relying upon the Savior, the true servant, not lording our authority over others, not taking delight in a title, not taking delight in recognition, but instead seeking always to point others to Jesus instead of ourselves. Even Christ did this, is he would pointed folks constantly, not to himself, but to the Father. The Father had commissioned him, had charged him to come to earth, to lay down his life for his people, and he submitted to the will of his Father. And he was constantly pointing people to God the Father. Are we, generally speaking, are we pointing others to Jesus? This is a call of of every Christian, not just a deacon. But deacons also are especially called to have love and compassion. Love for the flock, compassion for the flock. Just as Christ has had compassion on me and you, we who don't have it all together, so the deacon is called to have love and compassion for the flock and for those in the community that may not have their lives all together. Service is messy, isn't it? Life is messy, love is messy. And the call of the deacon is especially to minister to those whose lives are messy. That's why mercy and compassion are so important, the office of deacon. 
Where did the office of deacon come from? Let's, let's turn, if you will, to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. We'll have three passages this morning. Uh, the second is Acts 6. If you're using a pew Bible, you'll find that on page 1700. 1700. It is in Acts chapter 6 where we find uh, the office of deacon uh, inaugurated. You won't find the word deacon here, uh, though it is clearly talking about the office of deacon. We might call them proto-deacons, the first deacons. Uh, And here we read in uh, Acts chapter 6 the following, 1 through 7. Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up the preaching of the word to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word, And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. And Philip and Procurus and Nicanor and Timon and Parmenas and Nicolaus, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase. And the number of the disciples increased, uh, multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. The problem we find in Acts chapter 6 is that the church was growing rapidly. And part of the the role of the early church was to provide for the widows in the community. In Jerusalem, we think by this point, there were probably about 10,000 Christians. 10,000. That's a pretty good number. But this church was mostly run by about 12 men, the apostles. And maybe a few elders. But it was still a very small group seeking to serve the whole church. And they had their hands, their, their work cut out for them. But there were some problems. They, they had had some, uh, some, some issues with um, some of the widows not being provided for. Not being provided for. See, it was very common to be a widow in your 30s. Think about that. As you, as you got married in your mid-teens... If your children did not survive uh, either childbirth or early childhood, which was very common, and your, uh, your husband had died, it was very common to be widowed in your early 30s and without the, the, the synagogue, without the temple, because you're no longer a Jew at this point, but a Christian, without that safety net, you had no one to help provide food for you. And so this was a real problem, a real challenge for the first century church to provide for the widows who apart from the daily distribution of food might have starved and died. There was an issue here because some folks were falling through the cracks. And even as the apostles were being called away from their primary calling of preaching the word and and prayer, there were still some who were falling through the cracks. And so they, they called, the apostles called together uh, the, the great number, the full number of the disciples we read here and said, why don't you choose some men whom you think are worthy of this calling and we will lay hands on them and we will ordain them, laying hands, ordaining them and they will take this from us and it'll be uh, done uh, a lot better. And so they do this. They come together and they choose these seven men uh, and they lay hands upon them, great men of character, great men of spirit and wisdom. Uh, who do great things indeed. What, are, what is the role of a, of a deacon? 
We find a lot of that from this text and from others. The role of a deacon is, his first thing is to care for those who are in need. He cares for those who are in need, not only, outside, not only inside the congregation, but also those outside the congregation. In the community, as we seek to, to help those in need, just as these proto-deacons, these first deacons were called to especially to minister to the widows, they were in great need. And to this end, they are called to develop what's called the gift of liberality or generosity amongst God's people. They might give, and they might collect the funds and distribute them as there are needs within the community and within the church. We have a fund like this at our church. And it first goes to those any inside our own congregation who have needs, and then beyond that, we are blessed to be able to help those in the community Uh, as we seek to minister, not only in deed, financially, but also through the word of God. Deacons are called to care for the property of the church. Um, We have a fantastic facility here, and our our deacons do a very good job of of keeping it up and and maintaining it. This is a high calling. This is a high calling. And we can't just, it's not like we could farm this out. I mean, the men that are called to this position are, are called to, to walk with the Lord and be spiritual men. It's not something we could just farm out. It's not like we could bring in some outsourcing to do the, the duty of a deacon. These are men that are called by God for a specific role within his church, raised up by God to serve his people and to serve the Lord. And so scripture gives us some indication of whom these men should be. We see several things in this passage in Acts, but if you will, turn to a third and our final passage this morning, 1 Timothy chapter three, where we read of another list of qualifications for those um, who might be called to be deacons. If you're using a pew Bible, you'll find 1 Timothy chapter three uh, on 1847. 1 Timothy three, verses eight and following. Deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mission of the faith with a clear conscience and let them also be tested first, then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderous, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be a husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good understanding for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Jesus Christ. The first thing we find both in this text and the Acts uh, 6 text is that a a man, a deacon, is is called to be blameless, above reproach, of good repute. Um, He is called to be dignified, and a man worthy of honor or respect. The first thing we might say under this heading is that he's not double-tongued. Not double-tongued. That means that what he says, he does. That if he says he'll do something, he does it. He doesn't do something else. A deacon's called to be not addicted to much wine. Note, this does not say that he cannot uh, drink alcohol at all. Uh, drinking alcohol in and of itself is not a sin. Obviously, there are sinful ways to do it or any other kind of substance. We should certainly be careful around those who, are, who struggle with, with alcohol. Um, and, uh, and if our conscience is not clear, we, we shouldn't drink it either. 
but he can't be addicted to much wine or any other substance from that matter. He cannot be greedy for dishonest gain. As the deacons are called to deal with uh, money and the budget, uh, if being dis, uh, greedy for dishonest gain would be a very unhelpful thing in, indeed. This person is meant to be called a, a man of God. This is a spiritual office. It's not like we have the office of elder for the really Christian people and then the office of deacon for those who aspire to be really Christian people. I mean, there, there are plenty of churches where that's the case and that's a very false view of what it means to be an elder or deacon. Both the elder and the deacon are, are called to serve the Lord, to walk with the Lord, to, to be led by the Spirit each and every day. And so this is a very important thing, that the, the man of God, a deacon is called to be a man of God. This is a, a holy and high calling, even as Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, those who want to be great, they've got to be slaves. Those who want to be first, they've got to be last. They must be men of God, walking deeply with the Lord, full of the Spirit, Acts 6 says, and full of wisdom. This means a life that is defined, that, is, that if, you, if you were to prick him and get blood out of him, it would flow bibline, as Spurgeon said. It would flow out the, the, the very word of God. His, his life is so defined by the word. We might say it for the elder as well. Full of wisdom. Um, I advise you the Thursday morning's men's interdenominational Bible study. Uh, I've just gotten some great quotes out of there. And one of them is this, knowledge is learned, but wisdom is given. It's a great quote. Knowledge is learned, but wisdom is given. Wisdom comes from walking with the Lord. And our deacons and our elders face issues every day that require much wisdom from the Lord. They are called to hold to the mystery of the faith, which is the gospel. The mystery of the faith is the gospel. They must know the gospel well, not just in their heads, but in their hearts. Their hearts need to be transformed by the very love of God. And having received the love of God and his mercy and his grace, they are able to show God's grace and mercy and gospel to others. Mercy never comes from a hard heart. Grace never comes from a hard heart. It only comes from a heart that has been transformed by the grace of Jesus. That born again heart, John chapter three and Ezekiel 36. A heart that walks with the Lord daily. He must have a clean or clear conscience according to 1 Timothy three. Just to speak generally here, a clean or clear conscience is a fantastic thing, isn't it? I think at some point we've all lived in a season of life where our consciences were not clear because of some action we did or something we said or some sin we were hiding in our heart. Perhaps you're living there right now, speaking to all of us now. Perhaps you're living there right now where your heart and your, your conscience isn't clear. My friends, I, I would charge you, you're not called to live there. You're called to live in the light and with freedom that only comes from the transforming grace of Jesus. And if there's something that you want me to listen to, call me and let's talk. I can do great wonders just to say these things out loud and to seek forgiveness. But a deacon, an officer, certainly an elder too, I would say, are called to have a clear conscience. That means no unrepentant sin in their lives that they are aware of. Every, we all have sin in our lives, but the sin that we are aware of, we are working uh, daily to fight 
And when we fall, we, we come before the Lord in repentance. This one's not on your um, outline, but I might say that, that a deacon is called to be fat. F-A-T. Faithful, available, and teachable. Faithful, available, and teachable. And this is true of any disciple of Christ. If we're to be discipled, if we're to be taught, we must be faithful, available, and teachable. And we see that here with a deacon needing to be a proven and tested man. You know that the best person to nominate for either office is one who is already doing the work. The text here says that if you have folks who you want to eventually raise up to the office, that to give them some work first and see how they do. A deacon should be able to manage his children and household well if he's married and has children. You don't have to be married or have children to be a deacon. And if he's married, he must um, have a godly wife. A godly wife. And we, we are told here what that looks like. This godly wife is called to be dignified and not slanderous. That means not a gossip. Uh, not, uh, called to be sober-minded and faithful in all things. Um, finally, the final qualification is that if they are married, let deacons each be the husband of one wife. Um, this means a one woman man. He doesn't have eyes for another. He's not fostering or hiding a relationship with another woman, either emotionally, physically, or spiritually. Um, he leads his family spiritually and physically. He must be the head of his household and love his wife. He speaks well of her in public, never tearing her down, but always builds her up. As we talked about last week, does this mean that a deacon cannot be divorced? The answer is yes and no. If it's a biblical divorce, then we'd say uh, that a man can be divorced and be a deacon. I think there are also other cases, perhaps if uh, a man was divorced before his conversion, uh, or if it was many years ago and he has sought reconciliation and, and hasn't been, hadn't been able to, to reconcile or forgiveness or repentance, uh, then I think those are things we can talk about. Uh, but I think that um, the text here would indicate that... Um, a biblical divorce uh, would be okay. Never, never holding up or exalting divorce, of course. Uh, the rewards of deacons, there are rewards of deacons, by the way. There's always rewards in service, both in this life and the next. And we look forward to receiving the great crown of glory uh, when we um, go from this life to the next. Uh, but this text says there are also some rewards this side of the Jordan in verse uh, 13. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good understanding for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is, Jesus, is, that is in Jesus Christ. Um, a servant who serves well will be well thought of by others. Uh, I think that, that goes without saying. But I like the second one especially too, that, that he will grow and gain confidence in the faith that is in Jesus Christ. This means that, that through serving, that through serving as a deacon, he will grow closer to Jesus. He will grow in an understanding of his word and what it, what, I mean, in our service we learn more and more about how Christ served us. When service is tough, when service is hard, when service is think, thankless, we are reminded of Christ's great sacrifice and service to us. Well, as we look to nominate men and as a Presbyterian church that holds the word of God as inerrant word of scripture. 
uh, word of God. We do believe that the office of, of elder and, and deacon is, is uh, for, for men only. Uh, that's not to say that women are ungodly or have no role in the church. That's not that at all. Uh, the Lord has, has blessed us with some fantastic women uh, the Lord has used and continues to use in our church. But as we look for the right men, I, I commend you to think about uh, these things that we've talked about. But also realize you'll never find the right, the perfect elder or deacon. And if you do run, if you do run, because something's amiss, um, we are, these things are meant to characterize those men uh, and certainly be characterized by humility and a repentant spirit. But we must end with Jesus. We must end with Jesus. That great text that he came not to be served but to serve and to lay down his life, to give up his life as a ransom for many. For whom did he give up his life? He gave up his life for his people. Are you one of his people? Do you know this this king, Messiah, this servant who laid down his life for you that you might have eternal life? In the forgiveness of your sins, he died for you. And there's forgiveness available, and perhaps you don't have a clear conscience this morning. He died that you might have a clear conscience. He died that because there's, so there's forgiveness and grace and mercy and somewhere to go from here. Let's pray.